You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. There is no safety in unlimited technical hubris. McGeorge Bundy, National Security Advisor to Presidents John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson. But it was Albert Einstein who said, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. I am your host, Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and joining me today at the Clinician's Roundtable is Dr. Robert Wachter. Dr. Wachter is professor and chief of the Division of Hospital Medicine and associate chairman of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and chief of the medical service at UCSF Medical Center. Today, Dr. Wachter will share with us his thoughts on information technology, algorithms, and evidence-based medicine. Hi, Dr. Wachter. Thank you for taking the time to join us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Pleasure to be here. The number one issue I think everybody's talking about is the electronic medical record. Is it the answer to achieving significantly better patient safety? It's part of it. When you go to places that have really spiffy EMRs, and there are some now that have had them for five or ten years, and you ask them what part of the patient safety problem did this solve, they'll usually say about a third, and I think that sounds about right to me. It gets rid of doctor's handwriting and therefore gets you know that off out of Jay Leno's mouth as a perennial source of jokes. It, in good systems, it'll begin doing some reasonable decision support, making sure that you can't give an out-of-range dose or two drugs that interact in very bad ways, those sorts of things. And, you know, the electronic medical record part is kind of nice. I'm, as ward attending, my team is admitting today, and I can go on to the system from home tonight and look at all the patients and their record, and it'll all be legible. Those are all nice things. They don't completely solve the problem, and sometimes you hear some magical thinking that if we just put a computer in, then uh, we won't have any more medical errors. Not only is that not true, but one of the things we're learning is that the computers are sometimes interesting ways of creating a whole new class of errors. Could you explain some of those, what you've seen? We wrote up a case in the Annals of Internal Medicine last year of two patients who came into a hospital that had a very sophisticated wristband barcode system. And the procedures for putting patients' wristbands on were a little bit sloppy, and they got each other's wristband. And forevermore, this was like a bad movie, they were each other. And one patient nearly died when a nurse got ready to give him a big slug of insulin, thinking that his blood sugar was 700, and it turned out the other patient who was three floors away, his blood sugar was 700. This patient was not a diabetic. So the computer, they're pretty faithful about reporting out the data, but if it's garbage in, garbage out, that's what happens. And then it's not that hard to pick the wrong item out of a pick list. You know that from you know choosing things on Amazon or on Google. That can happen with the electronic medical record. It's very easy to cut and paste or copy and paste notes. And sometimes we see things that were wrong in the beginning and they're just perpetuated forever. And computers are very good propagators of fiction. So it's all those sort of little glitches that sometimes I've seen them pull people away from the patient's bedside when the doc and nurse should be huddled over a sick child, for example, but instead they're huddled over a computer 50 yards away. It's those sort of things that we're going to have to guard against. And on the whole, there seems little question in my mind that computers are making things safer and will make things even more safer as, we're, as we get better at them and the systems get better. But there are also there's propensity, there's potential for mischief as well. Where do you see the other major impacts in a positive fashion of information technology in general? The big ones, I think, are going to, be, are going to lie in decision support. And we're still at the training wheels phase of that. I think we have to get the wires laid first. We have to get good electronic medical records that are easy to use and are not too inefficient. 
we have to have good computerized order entry. That is, these are reasonable systems that are also reasonably easy to use. We have to have some way of identifying patients at the point of care, whether that's through barcoding or, or RFID. When we lay that, that's just highway to me. It's scaffolding. On top of that, where we will really see, I think, amazing progress will be once then you overlay decision support, meaning that a patient comes in with heart failure and the computer prompts you to do the right thing and is constantly mining the evidence to look for new studies that say that you know this was the right thing last week, but it's changed. We don't quite know how to do that yet because the data is so voluminous that we need somebody to sift through it to help do that. And right now, the present state of the art is a lot of these pop-up boxes. And if you've been in one of these systems and you start getting a pop-up box every three seconds, every time there's a potential drug interaction, you learn very quickly that all you're going to do is click out of all of them. So we have to figure out a way of doing this that's not so obtrusive and doesn't get in the way of us doing our work. And that's when things will really make a difference. And I think in many systems, that's five or ten years away. One thing I've observed is a lot of people sitting at the nurse's station entering data into computers and not visiting the patient in their rooms. Have you seen that, and has it led to any problems you're aware of? I think it's worse than that, because I see at my hospital, for example, it used to be that the docs would come up to the floor, see the patient, and then sit at the nurse's station, because that's where the charts were. Now they can go and write their notes sitting in a room three floors away, hanging out with each other. And it used to be, I'm old enough to remember the day when I had to go to the x-ray department to look at the film. You may remember what the film was, but new doctors won't. And as I was down there, I would schmooze with the radiologist and say, you know, Joe, can you take a look at this film with me? You know, I don't really know what's going on with this lady. Well, now I don't have to go to the radiology department to look at a film anymore. I can look at it at my computer. And so I can go months without ever seeing a radiologist and having those sort of interchanges. I think that's a negative effect of computerization. Ultimately, we'll figure out new ways of communicating through video conferencing and through the computer interface itself that will replace some of that human contact. But I think you're absolutely right that, that it has the effect in some ways of detethering the doctor from the point of care with the patient. We've got to watch that carefully because I think it, it probably is negative. For those of you who have just joined us, you're listening to Reach MDXM 233 the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Bill Rutenberg. And my guest today is Dr. Robert Wachter, Associate Chairman of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. We are discussing information technology. A lot of the information technology is based on algorithms. Do you think that's a good thing, bad thing, or are there pros and cons? Like most complicated questions in life, it's good. there are pros and cons. You know, to me, there is a lot that we ask doctors to do that is absolutely algorithmic. And if I can get a computer to do it for me so I don't have to use my decreasing number of neurons up to remember the algorithm, I think that's a great thing. I actually can't see a way that it's not a great thing. On the other hand, the con, of course, is that some patients didn't read the textbook. And, and patients are not machines, and sometimes they're different than algorithms, and algorithms can become very robotic and too muscle-bound and not allow us to improvise. And I work in a big academic center that is constantly pushing the envelope and improvising and trying new things, and once you get locked into an algorithm, it's kind of hard to do that. So if we're thoughtful about it and we use algorithms where this idea of cookbook medicine, you know, I want to use a cookbook when the cookbook is correct. I don't really want to have to think about it. If we're smart about it and using it that way, but don't overuse it and recognize the times where we've reached the limit of the algorithm, 
then I think the world is much better. And of course, you know, there will be times where we do it correctly, and there will be times where we screw that one up. I remember during my fellowship at Boston Children's Hospital, the Harvard medical students, if you asked them a question, you could literally see the wheels turning in their heads as they went through a differential diagnosis. Are you concerned that algorithms may discourage physicians from thinking independently and creatively, and instead of expanding their thinking, they constrain it? I think that that's a possibility, and I I think it's not just algorithms. I think our whole approach now to medicine becoming more systematic, I think overall that's healthy. I think that the approach that you're describing is the one I grew up with, and it basically says that good medicine is delivered by really smart, well-trained doctors who are virtuosos. And I think we're recognizing that it is more of a team sport, that we need other people, we need systems to help us and computers. The downside is if, if we go too far, then we will train people to be cogs and machines, and they become totally dependent on the machine, and they improvise less, and they're less thoughtful, and maybe a little bit less humanistic. And those of us who are educators, it's our job to not blow that one, to get it right, and, and to use the algorithms and the technology and the systems where they really add value, and yet not overuse them and continue to train our people to have the autonomy and the thoughtfulness to do what needs to be done for the patient. Good places, good systems, we'll get that one right. And bad places, I'm quite concerned. Using information technology, and again, you're in a special situation because I believe that at the University of California Medical Center Hospital that primary care physicians do not frequently round on their patients or round on them at all in the hospital. So therefore, the hospitalist, of course, is much more essential. In a community hospital, using information technology, couldn't a primary care physician have access to the same fund of knowledge as a hospitalist and therefore function essentially as effectively? Well, I think you're raising a much larger question, which is if the systems get good enough and the information technology gets good enough, what is the role of various subspecialists, however you cut the pie? You could have said the same thing about a critical care doctor or a cardiologist, I guess, absent the procedures. Are these systems going to become so good that we no longer need for patients to bounce around from specialist to specialist because the system can kind of bring me up to a level of competence that may mirror that of the specialist? I think the answer will be there will be times where that's right. I mean, I could see a primary care doctor sitting in the office who might today say, I need to send that patient to a nephrologist and a orthopedic surgeon to evaluate issues. And really all I'm asking for is their opinion for what the evidence is about the right thing to do with this problem. And if I had a really good IT system that seamlessly allowed me to tap into those knowledge bases, maybe I wouldn't need to do that. You know, that will happen from time to time. I I don't think it's going to put all the specialists out of business because I think there's a lot of those interactions, specifically the primary care doc and the hospitalist. Some of the time that handoff is because the hospitals might have more knowledge about hospital care, but some of the time it's just a practical issue. I'm in the office for 10 hours a day seeing patients every 14 minutes. I can't be in the hospital managing my patient's care and talking to all of the subspecialists and talking to the family. And it really isn't a matter of if I could just be a little smarter about hospital care, I'd be able to do this. It really is a logistical problem. But I, I think, you know, there will be times where, yeah, the IT will will bring us up to a, a higher level than we are at now. And to me, that's great. Information technology can certainly put evidence-based medicine in front of us. But often the evidence-based medicine is consensus-driven or the type 3 rather than the placebo-controlled double-blind study. Does this pose a problem with you? I have a file that I keep on the changing evidence. (laughs) Most recently, you know, oxygen for resuscitation. Gee, we suddenly found out you don't need it. 
right. I've always said that you know we all know that half of what we learn in medical school will turn out to be wrong. The only problem is we just don't know which half. <laughs> it would be easier if we did. Sure. I mean, there's a hierarchy of evidence out there, and even great type 1 evidence will sometimes turn out to be wrong. Now, we're too often flying by the seat of our pants and basing decisions on no evidence or no access to good evidence or what we learned 30 years ago in school. So any tools that will allow us to see current evidence kind of digested in the appropriate way and given to us in the appropriate way and allow us to make a more rational and evidence-based decision, that feels right to me. In peer review, I've always taught my medical students, you've got to write down, you've got to document when you deviate from the evidence-based medicine because you have to prove that you know as much as the experts. I want to thank Dr. Robert Wachter, who has been my guest, and we have been discussing the impact of information technology. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. I wish you good day and good health.